1: Welcome back to the YouTube home for BamaOnline.com. It is a Monday morning. It is Travis Ryer Senior Analyst for BOL, joined by Clint Lamb, our video talent, our kind of utility guy. Does a little bit of everything for us there at BamaOnline.com. Clint Lamb does. And of course, our publisher, Mr. Tim Watts down there in the bottom square. Tim, all you've got to do today as we lead things in is... Kalen DeBoer continues to build a coaching staff, tries to retain a roster, still trying to recruit, get out on the trail, official visitors of note coming up. All you got to do this morning, Tim, is tell Alabama fans everything's going to be okay. That's all you got to do, Tim. I mean, I, I actually believe it is. I think that,
2: uh, and now we're extending that time frame a little, but I, I, I feel like Alabama's in a much better situation than I expected them to be. I mean, we lost sleep at times thinking Nick Saban was retiring and the the aftermath. And, again, when you've covered, like me and Travis, and if you followed it like Clint or anybody, and you've seen the Mike Price situation, you've seen DeBose in and out, you know, you've seen Mike Shula get a few years and gone. So you kind of expanded. And the Saban search, Thirty was it 37 days? I can't even remember. All of December,
1: basically, yeah.
2: Yeah, 37 days we sat there. These people – 48 hours later, we're ready to burn it down. What is taking so long? Greg Burns, like dropping the hammer at 41 hours. So we've seen it all. So I think you have to say, in that, considering everything you needed to do, you got your guy, you got your man, you got your number one target. Uh, I think the vast majority of fans like him. He's got him in place. He's put his offensive staff together because, hey, that was pretty important because, you know, we, you know, in this situation, we did marry them for their cooking. We wanted to see that offense go to work. So um think you're in good shape where you are right now. And, of course, you don't have all the ans- answers, and we're in an impatient world, but it's coming together.
1: Yeah, you said it with the offensive staff, and that obviously shifts the focus to the defensive side. And Traveris Robinson, a big part of that storyline, our reporting at BamaOnline.com here in the last 12 to 18 hours Interesting with what T-Rob has apparently had on his plate, Tim. Seems like, anyway, there's confidence coming from both Alabama and Georgia as to what he might do next. Of course, he initially uh, made the move to Georgia where he was going to join or has joined Kirby Smart staff. And then, uh, as we reported on Sunday night, uh, apparently had a meet with Kalen DeBoer about staying on at Alabama where do things sit as we're here at about 9.04 Central on Monday morning?
2: Yeah, we put the time, you know, the, the timeline for me was he had the Georgia offer. I'm pretty sure Nick Saban and him were trying to work out a deal. Nick Saban retires. That wasn't done. He had the offer from George, and I'm sure he had offers from others because um, he did a good job, especially on the recruiting trail. So I think he held them off as long as he could to even get to meet uh, Kaylen DeBoer and talked to him on Friday, which he did, and of course DeBoer wasn't ready to to name his staff. And I can't even imagine. I hope one day DeBoer tells us what his Friday was like. You know, he arrived at eight thirty. More fans there than in the hometown he grew up in, and you know, meets the players. You know, he meets you know meets the staff, everything that's been going on. So um, so T rod took the job. He definitely resigned. Now it's Saturday morning that uh, that Georgia announced him and he changed his profile picture. And then on Sunday, Alabama talked to him again, um, you know, trying to retain him. And right now we don't know. Georgia feels confident. Rusty Manziel, who does a great job for our Georgia site. Uh, we know Alabama made a pitch. Georgia feels like they're going to keep him. But right now we don't know what his answer is going to be. It's a little bit like recruiting, you know. feel like T-Rob's like misleading us. Nah, he's not doing that. But we really haven't heard anything else since then. And to make it, you know, the funny thing about it, If we would probably know if it wasn't Martin Luther King Day, a national holiday, because he'd probably be on the road recruiting for somebody. So schools are shut, you know, so maybe that adds a little bit more drama to it. But right now we don't have it. We don't have an answer.
1: Clint, as far as the offensive side of the ball, though, we have right there in black and white. We know what Alabama is getting in Kalen DeBoer. Uh, and Ryan Grubb and the rest of that offensive staff. Talk about that a little bit, your impressions of a strong DeBoer influence, as you expected, but then being able to keep a guy like Robert Gillespie there at the running back position. I guess not just in terms of the team dynamic, but recruiting as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, from a continuity perspective, you know, with the running back room, you're losing Jason McClellan, you're losing Roydell Williams, uh, but, you know, Justice Haynes, Richard Young... Jam Miller, uh, you signed a couple of running backs in this 2024 cycle. So just having their position coach still be in place, I think, is pretty big. But when you look at the other positions, I mean, Washington had, you know, a Joe Moore winning offensive line. Uh, Obviously, they have a good offensive line coach. Uh, They're wide receivers coach, multiple NFL talents there, including a potential first-round pick. Uh, You know, you look at the tight end room, Jack Westover, a six-year senior Did some really good things, especially down the stretch for that Washington offense, that the the way that the tight ends are used within that offense, as far as creating opportunities for others, but also being, you know, a a piece of the puzzle where they're going to get targets and make an impact as well. I think that that's big. So when you look at just all these different positions, I think it's an excellent offensive coaching staff that's being assembled. And then defensively, it's just, you know, you would think that whoever ends up being the defensive coordinator is going to want to have a hand in who is some some of his assistants are going to be. So I think that's probably the hang-up as far as why you're seeing a delay in some of these position coaches on that side of the ball. But from yeah. what we know, the offense, it's a good group.
1: Yeah, we've heard from Kalen DeBoer in relation to what you just said. He likes his coordinators to have a big, big say in – who's going to be working for them, either on the offensive or defensive sides of the ball, certainly special teams as an extension of that as well. So, Tim, when we get back to T-Rob and talk about uh, his extended importance, and we've said it before, and this is no disrespect to T-Rob, not to devalue who he is, what he brings to the table, but it always seems to have been, under Nick Saban, bigger news when a guy leaves the staff than it was when he came in, but when you think about this recruiting effort and some of the guys that are still out there for Alabama and roster retention, in your opinion, how important is this, uh, as far as T Rob is concerned, and maybe being able to bring him back into the fold?
2: I think you know when you if you if you stop as adults, we tend to have a difficult time of looking at it from perspective of other people, mainly because we're a lot of us are selfish. But if you look at this from the perspective of these kids. They don't really know anybody on this staff. None of them really knew the Washington staff. This isn't a local Southern guy that was recruiting him they were familiar with. He was across the country. So the only people they know were the former Bama staff. So from that angle, you know, Freddie Roach, Robert Gillespie, you know, we, we believe the reports that they are staying. That's huge simply because they know them. They know they can trust them. Then They know where they're at. That's the feel I get for T-Rob. Um, the irony, it is a bit of irony that when T-Rob was hired, it was universally mocked by Alabama uh, other people mocked Alabama for hiring T. Rob at the time. It was kind of, it was kind of funny. There was a lot of criticism with him. Obviously, did a good job at Alabama. The relationships to me are the key, not future recruiting and all that kind of stuff. You got to make up that ground, anyways, as the head coach. But the relationships, the people he knew, and all that kind of stuff. So really, anybody that had a good relationship with those players
1: um, would be an extra benefit. But that certainly would fit the bill with T. Rob. Clint, in terms of the transfer portal, guys that have decided to make themselves available to that process from the Alabama roster, uh, certainly we saw it with Isaiah Bond in a very quick span. He went from the portal to done for Texas. Uh, you've seen Amari Nyblack here most recently, the very versatile athletic tight end for Alabama, hit the portal. Uh, of these guys, Sean Murphy, uh, Des Ricks, and we'll see with him. You know, and we need to point out again, there is that possibility of guys staying at Alabama just because they're researching their other opportunities doesn't mean they won't be a part of this 2024 football team for Kalen DeBoer. But of those guys that you've seen, uh, Isaiah, obviously, uh, at the top of that list. But where does Amari Nyblack stack up? And you said it because Westover, the tight end for Washington, 40 plus catch guy. So it's not like the tight end position is going away. And also, I guess Alabama has a sense of security. Looks like they still have some other quality options if, in fact, Amore decides to move on.
3: Yeah, it's a talented room, even if Nye Black ends up, you know, choosing to stay in the transfer portal, choosing to go elsewhere. But when you look at Boer's offense and what it was under Washington, uh, I mean, you look at Westover and just the college football playoff, two games, 14 targets. I mean... Uh, I think he had 56 targets this past season. Nye Black, I think, had 30 for the entire year. I mean, Westover just had 30 over his last five games for Washington. I really think they started getting into a groove as far as how they could utilize him to the best of his abilities, and it made a huge difference for their offense. Um, And just that position, it's it's very important to how they operate, or at least how they operated in 2023. And so you would think a guy like Nye Black would want to be a part of that, um, but even if he doesn't, there are other options. It's just he's a very talented player. And a guy like Caleb Odom, we heard good things about him, uh, you know, as far as the the ball practices and things like that. I don't know how big of a role he'd have in year one. What is he asked to do if he's more situational and they're willing to use him more, you know, split out wide, doesn't do a whole lot of inline stuff with him. Then I think he could have a pretty big year one impact potentially. But if they're looking to kind of do what they did with Nye Black, as far as making him more of a, We're going to wait until, you know, you can do more of the inline stuff and the blocking side of things before we trust you on the field. Then maybe Caleb Odom could take, you know, a little bit longer. Uh, But we'll just have to wait and see. Either way, that's a very talented group. It's a very well-rounded group. You've got some good blockers. I think Dupree, uh, especially, you know, Danny Lewis, if he could get involved, these guys are better pass catchers than I think they're giving credit for. They're not going to do a, a whole lot as far as creating yardage after the catch. But they can block, and, and we saw that this past season in Tommy Reese's offense, but I think they could be a bigger part of the passing game uh, if they were given the opportunity. And under, you know, DeBoer, that's certainly, a you know, that's very possible.
1: Uh, Tim, Isaiah Bond moving on to Texas. How much does that sort of heighten the importance where Ryan Williams is concerned in terms of trying to get him back into the fold, the former Alabama commitment who opened things up upon the news of Nick Saban's uh, retirement and kind of what's what does it look like for him? What's sort of the path, the map for Ryan Williams here moving forward?
2: Yeah, I want to remind you, BOL, or you, you got <clears throat> you guys phone on us on YouTube to please take two seconds. That's all we ask. Hit like, subscribe so you can get this stuff. We put a lot of effort into it. Um, I never thought I'd be doing YouTube, but I actually have a good time with it and to have fun with it. So please like and subscribe. We want to build this page. We want you guys here with us. And this is a whole new universe for you. So there'll be constantly new things going on. Um, Ryan, I think it's just to be determined. I got a couple of thoughts here, as I tend to do. One, I think Isaiah Bond was very close to leaving initially, and it was all NIL. And I was just highly suspect, without any proof, tampering related, I would think that Ryan, trying to get out the door at Alabama, already knew his destination. Um, And a lot of the rumors around Isaiah, I'm sorry, not Ryan, a lot of rumors around Bond, not Isaiah, was Texas. So obviously, when he hit the portal right away, ends up at Texas, You know, we've seen all that. And that's his prerogative to do. But I don't think that was a direct relation to just Nick Saban retiring, because there was a lot of NIL stuff behind the scene with Isaiah to begin with. And again, I'm not judging them. If you're here, if you're here for the money, that's you know, you treat it like a business. I understand that. Um, I don't think it has a lot of effect on uh on a Ryan Williams. Um, I mean, the guy's been, you know, that's quite the big deal. You I mean you commit to Nick Saban a couple of years, um took a visit to Texas AM where Hallman Wiggins is. We reported that uh earlier in the week before Saban retired, ironically. And then, you know, that changed it. Uh expected back at Alabama this week is our understanding. And Look, when it comes to offense, thank you, Kristen. When it Absolutely. comes to offense, I don't think Alabama is going to have a lot of worry about because they're going to find guys to put into this system. I was watching it and, and Clint had a great point. The tight end is an unbelievable option in the, in this. I mean, they create incredible plays, a lot of movement, a lot of drags, middle screen, a lot of blockers. Tight ends look like the highlight of the plays. The most creative plays were around that tight end and some of the draws. So I think offensively, they're going to get the guys they need. I mean, you're looking for skill guys. We're in the South. They're all over, man. You can't shake a stick at them. You know what I mean? You look at this draft, there'll be some dude from Central Michigan or Idaho drafted that went to, you know, it was from Atlanta, Georgia. He'll end up in the third round. So from a talent standpoint, I think they're going to be fine on offense. It's good to see like Booker and. You know, Jaden Roberts insinuating they're coming back. That's huge to have those guys. You got your quarterback. And, again, you know, Robert Gillespie, hopefully keeping his running back room intact. You're going to be fine offensively, in my opinion.
1: Clint, I think part of this, too, and I've talked about this before, is the run game in this offense under Kalen DeBoer. And, you know, you look at their numbers from 2000. And 23 doesn't exactly blow you away, but Dylan Johnson still was a 1,200 yard rusher. He was basically their only back. So he was like Derrick Henry in some ways in 2015. They rode that horse uh, until they couldn't anymore. So, what are your expectations for that area of this Alabama offense moving forward? I'd say Dylan Johnson, in retrospect, good move, whether you like the transfer portal or not, good move by Dylan Johnson and going from the air raid at Mississippi state to what he played in, in Seattle.
3: Yeah. And I think from, uh, you know, the numbers perspective, uh, Michael Penix was not really a a mobile quarterback. You know, he's not going to rack up a ton of rushing yardage. And I mean, you look at Alabama's run game and it's like, you got Jalen Milrow doing what he's doing. You got Peyton Thorne there at Auburn. So dual threat quarterbacks and the fact that they can add numbers to your rushing attack that's going to make you look like a much better running team. But I think when you talk about lining up and being able to run the football with your traditional run game, meaning your running backs, I thought they were fairly effective at it. I mean, they didn't win the Joe Moore award just because of their ability to keep Michael Pink Jr. protected. Uh, They could run the football fairly effectively, and that was reflected in Dylan Johnson. And I think, you know, when you start talking about the talent difference, and I understand that there's a lot of, you know, potential departures. I understand that from a commitment standpoint, there's some, you know, changes happening and, and you just got to wait and see how everything looks after the dust settles. But Alabama's still going to have one of the more talented rosters in all of college football. There, there's no doubt about that, especially offensively with his coaching staff. So you would expect the talent that he'll have at his disposal to be unlike anything that he ever saw there at Washington. Now, granted, he developed some NFL talent. And there were some good players in that offense, and I'm not saying that he didn't have anything to work with. Just from a, a recruiting pure talent standpoint a lot more available to him and the stable of running backs that he could potentially have at his disposal. I mean, justice Haynes, jam Miller, Richard young, uh, you know, Daniel Hill, all these different guys, they bring something, uh, a little bit different to the table in, in some ways. And in other ways they can be, I think you have a lot of potential three down options. I don't think anybody's limited on that front where they can only be an early down guy. They're only strictly a pass catcher. Uh, or a pass protector on third downs, and so when you've got that at your disposal, you got a a bunch of Dylan Johnsons, and you can do some things as far as your rushing attack, and so I expect that to be a big part of the offense, but it's also going to be centered uh, around the quarterback as well um, in the passing game and the weapons that are going to be involved in that passing game.
1: Yeah, he is on record, Kalen DeBoer, that Alabama is going to be a quarterback driven offense, you know, and that's what every quarterback, every skill guy wants to hear, because that means they're going to get the football in a multitude of ways. And to be sure, Kalen DeBoer is going to be bigger, stronger, and faster in every area of his football team than he's ever been before, whether it was Fresno, whether it was uh, Washington here most recently. But Tim, when you look at the retention so far, of Bama assistants on this forming staff. When you talk about Freddie Roach and Rob G, how important in your opinion is that? Because as you said, uh, recruiting, we're in an active cycle right now. We're in an active period, and you got to get on the trail here quickly.
2: Well, you know, if T-Rob actually does stick with Georgia after this push. It, it, it That's the importance more, even more because Freddie Roach is now the last man standing. You know, Robert Ball is still there. We haven't heard anything, but you know Kevin still is gone. D. Rob would be gone. Coleman Hustler's been gone. So basically Roach is the main guy, connecting him to that staff. So that's huge there. Just like the Lesby on the offensive side. He'll know more than I mean, they'll know their own room the best, right? But they'll know some of these guys too because they recruit by area, not position. So um obviously keeping anybody on staff. I think the big, you know, the biggest take for me here is like as an Alabama fan, is get your coach, right? Get your coach. Did you get the right coach? if you did, and thank y'all for subscribing, we really appreciate it. If you got your coach, that's step one. It's the biggest step you can get. And then, of course, you want to work your roster. And I'll be honest, I mean, we've said this before with everybody. Bama's not for everybody. Alabama's not for everybody. So the kids leaving, which is their right to do if they leave, I mean, that's just kind of life. You know, you make this decision. I don't think you should judge them. They committed to a different staff. I mean, you'll have some that stay no matter who the coach is. I think you should appreciate them more than worrying about the ones who left, who didn't want to be there.
1: Yeah. You know, Clint, it was something I saw here in the last day or so USC with Lincoln Riley coming back for a third year has lost 21 players to the transfer portal. So it's kind of where we're at in college football. You can be returning one of the perceived top 10 coaches in the sport and you're going to have turnover so far based on just the numbers Do you think it's been about what you thought it might be as far as departures or potential departures, or is it a little under, or what, what are your thoughts and understanding there's still, there's still a long way to go in this.
3: Yeah. That's, that's key is that it's it's not done, but up to this point, I think it's been a little bit under, I mean, when, when you, you have these conversations, whenever Nick Saban retires, I mean, it's going to be in a transfer portal era. You just knew it was going to be, you know, for lack of a better word, hell trying to keep hang on to all your different guys. I mean, this just because they're at, I mean, you go to to California and all these different places, New Jersey to recruit players, their loyalty is And I know that this might upset fans and it's not, I hope you don't take it the wrong way or this doesn't come off the wrong way, but it's, it's the, the loyalty wasn't necessarily to Alabama. It was to Nick Saban. And so with him leaving, there's a lot of uncertainty and people are terrified of uncertainty. I mean, they will stay in bad situations just because they're uncertain of what a different situation might look like. So when you start creating uncertainty within the the program that they're already a part of, you would expect some, you know, fear and stuff to take over, enter the portal roster turnover. And you've seen that with some key players uh, up to this point, but I just, I thought it probably would have been a lot more and you could still see it. We'll have to wait and see, but I would say it's been a little bit under.
1: Yeah, I think that's where this uh, Traveris-Robinson situation could play into things. Who knows? We'll see.
2: I think one thing to consider that you know is that it's the weekend. They have 48 hours to put it in with compliance, and today is a, a national holiday. holiday. So yep. there could be guys in the portal. Now, I would say all the ones we heard are expected to go in the portal. That's what we've been announcing. Hayes Fawcett, who does a good job with us, makes the edits, has been saying they expect to go in the portal – and don't forget, Elijah Pritchett was expected to go in the portal, and then he was expected not to go in the portal. People change their mind. I don't think it's an unwise decision, and thank you for subscribing, Ron. I don't think it's an unwise decision to open up your op- options while still – I would keep it – this is what I tell my kid. Open up your options. Don't close your window. Speak to the coaches and see what you think of them. If you hate them, you bounce. If you love them, you stay. If you got to, like, figure out what's best for you – and I don't think that just applies. I mean, we saw that happen with Nick Saban, right? How
1: I many were in the portal before Nick Saban retired? So, and, and just about every one of these guys that has entered the portal to this point, there's a situation at their respective position that probably had something to do with it. We've seen a couple of corners hit the portal. Well, you brought in Damani Jackson from USC, and now you've got Trey Amos to go along with him. In other words, it, even with the departures that this 2023 team had just organically in terms of eligibility or the NFL draft, um, you know, that's still going to play a large role in this. And Tim Sam Lewis here, he wants to know, can y'all get Rusty over here so we can yell obscenities at him? With all due respect, of course. Hey, I, I always appreciate go. when you when you wrap it up with all due respect, of course, you go up like many levels, but it kind of explained the dynamic. So people know that it's uh, kind of like when you works. insult somebody and say, no offense. And it was very, very offensive. I'm not trying I mean? to tell you what to do, yeah. but
3: if you have yeah. to say it more than likely, it was, yeah, offensive. yeah if you
2: got yeah. If you gotta tell me it's not offensive, then maybe we shouldn't say it, but uh, I know Sam's kid Rusty's a great guy. One of our best friends. Um, We've been, we've been together in this from day one, ride or die kind of guy. We've been working on this together. Um, it's really no different than recruiting. And it's simply Alabama heard one thing and Georgia heard another thing. I got no reason to doubt. I think a 1,000% for sure is that he had the Georgia and the Alabama offer uh, options on the table. Um, and he's just going to have to choose which one it is. I mean, it should go to all those people saying, you know, because there was a lot of, you know, DeBoer is crazy not to keep T-Rob. Well, he he he, att- he has attempted to keep him now. So now it's just T-Rob's decision, you know. And going back to that NIL, one thing that I think people really are going to have to adjust to, the NIL is now a negotiate employee. I mean, it's basically a series. Wow. The NIL for some is a series of one-year contracts where you go and see what else you can get possibly. You know, so I think that factors in. If a kid has an agent, we know what agents do, right? A lot of them are really good at their job. So, I mean, when a kid has an agent, yeah, yeah, Bond had an agent. When they have an agent, then it's a business decision. Hey, this is a business. You know, for some people, they're still kids just wanting to play football. Some people, it's a straight-up business decision. So, that's another reason you could go in the portal. So, they won't all make sense, I guess is what I'm saying.
1: Clint, I thought it was interesting with Bond, too, in his statements to Pete Thamel uh, of ESPN uh, regarding his departure. He was specific about – the quarterback situation at Texas, the protection at Texas. I'm not saying that uh, he was outright disrespectful maybe to the place he was leaving, but I still found it interesting that in addition to knowing that uh, there was perhaps a a nice deal for him in Austin, uh, it it sounded anyway, like he felt like 2024 is his year to springboard to the NFL. uh, And he thought maybe the, the, the returning personnel at Texas could better help him do that.
3: I mean, we, in some ways we saw it with Jermaine Burton leaving Georgia. Right. I mean, he felt like the situation in Tuscaloosa with Bryce young, uh, was better than the national championship team that he was leaving with Stetson Bennett as their starting quarterback. And he, I, I, if I, if I recall correctly, he called that a business decision as well. Right. I made the best decision for me and my family. So it's, uh, both ways. Yeah, Yeah. it does. And and it's not just, it's not like it's, it's not a Jalen Milrow thing. It's not a Tommy Reese thing. It's not an offensive line thing. It's more of you look at the situation collectively and you say, I just feel like for me and my chances of getting to the NFL, um, there are better situations out there. And then when you get thrown a ton of money on top of that, it's like, and, and for some people, it becomes kind of a no-brainer. And you would say, I mean, he was the focal point of Alabama's passing attack. He was the most consistent option. I mean, he had some really big moments, some really big catches, including that game-winning iron ball touchdown catch. So it wasn't like he wasn't uh, getting featured, but just, I mean, when you start looking at the numbers and stuff, uh, it doesn't stack up to some of these other offenses. Now, here's the thing, the difference, though is that based off of who was brought in, you would think that's going to change one way or another. Uh, you know, you're going to see more pass attempts. You're going to see the wide receivers and the tight ends become a much bigger part of the offense, really become more of a complementary piece to the, running, uh, the rushing attack. So, you know, I think probably what ended up happening was that the mind was already starting to be made up to go in one direction. And even though there were a lot of things pointing, right. hey, I think that you've got a better option now as far as returning. I think he was already heading that way, and he's just stuck with it.
2: He was very close. We were told to leave, and I, I don't know if very close to leaving, but there was heavy negotiations with the NIL before, while Nick Saban was here. So I'd leave, agree with Clint that when Nick Saban left and that portal went, he had you know he had had he had, he knew where he was going. Um, but also, I don't think, I don't think he just left for the better quarterback and the better system. I think the NIL played a factor. Yeah. And again, we don't pass. I'm not passing judgment on that. It's no. a business decision. If he's got to have it, he's got to have it. Yeah, so. I think,
1: I think in a lot of ways, you're an Alabama fan. You're thankful for the, the fourth and 31 catch and what he gave you. And that's the mindset I think you should take moving forward because this is going to be pretty much college football moving forward. And, um, we got a pretty interesting thought here from Les Paul Jeff, Tim, who says, I think a GM role will be adopted and used by many other universities in the future. Wonderful, innovative idea. Of course, this is in relation to Courtney Morgan coming in with Kalen DeBoer in that GM role. I think there's actually already been the role that's that's around college football. And even at some places like Alabama, uh, it's been implemented, maybe just not called the general manager. I think guys like South and that have gone off the field in the past, right? They've done things like monitor that transfer portal, maintain relationships, and and that type of stuff, right?
2: Yeah, I think that I think if you're smart and, and as a college football coach, I think you're going to have to have a guy like a general manager. This is what I would do, and I'd have the general manager above the person in charge of the NIL that's negotiating with the players. The person in charge of recruiting, the person in charge of player NFL liaisons, anything, I would have that one guy, very similar how it's structured in the NFL with the scouting. And he's still heavily involved in all that in a perfect world. The general manager is going to be super talented, but I would definitely have somebody dealing. Like, I still think that, like, a head coach that has to deal with anybody with the NIL, I think there's going to be a certain kind of you know, we heard this about Nick Saban, like he got tired of hearing about the NIL. Well, the truth is they should he should never been in discussions with anybody about the NIL. He's a 72 year old coach, grew up pumping gas. So when a kid says. Eighty five thousand dollars, not enough to play college football, it probably blew his mind. I mean, it's still I mean, you know, it, 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 it's probably hard. It's hard for, you know, I think anybody to hear, but especially somebody that old and who just wants to talk about ball. So I think you have to insulate yourself from those guys. I think you have to keep that coach up because you know what? Buffer. Yeah. I think it breeds resentment when you're constantly discussing with your running back, the NIL. In fact, that's not even, I mean, that should be an agent NIL representative for the university. I'm sorry for the NIL representative discussing that. It should have nothing to do with football. That's football coach should be coaching football.
3: And one thing about uh Nick Saban and just, I remember, when my high school best friend, William Ming, was going through the recruiting process. And I went with him on a recruiting visit to Alabama, was talking to Nick Saban. And I'll I'll never forget when he was talking about his decision to leave the Miami Dolphins, he mentioned the fact of, you know, because his players had such a close relationship with him, they felt like he was the guy to go to when they wanted a bigger contract. You know, he said every day it felt like someone else was in his office wanting more money. And it's just, he would always have to say, you need to be talking to the GM about that. And I don't think he really liked that aspect. I think he uh, he liked the fact that there was a GM that he could kind of push those guys to, but at the same time, it was just – and with the NIL, even if you have that general manager type of guy, your play, you, know, you need to make sure that he's got a good relationship with the players so they feel comfortable going to him in the first place to take that responsibility off the head coach where you're not having all those meetings. But that is something that I, I don't think Nick Saban ever liked that aspect, and the fact that that aspect was starting to come to college football – And really, there was nobody for Nick Saban to kind of refer those guys to on that front. It was kind of his responsibility. I'm sure that's something that he didn't like to deal with day to day.
1: And Clint, we talk about this in relation with Isaiah Bond and the wide receiver situation at Alabama moving forward. And we talked about Ryan Williams earlier, but this is certainly anything but a Ryan Williams or bust scenario, even with Isaiah Bond moving on, because uh, Kendrick Law coming back, Emmanuel Henderson, Jalen Hale. Kobe Prentice, you got three or four guys in this latest class that can come in. And there's always the transfer portal that works the other way. Uh, you got some receivers out there right now that might be at some other places Perhaps. that are looking at this situation, Tim, and saying, you know what? Yeah. I'll plug in right there and, <laughs> and go for a thousand plus, maybe, yeah. and and make yeah. my way to the Sunday game.
2: You know how I know that's true because Jermaine Burton literally was on a Georgia team that beat Alabama for national championship, mm-hmm. and by the weekend was enrolled in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> so Isaiah Bonds, another example. They're going to find this offense. And let's be real, a lot of people don't know a lot about this this Washington staff. A lot of we're in the South. We don't, you know, fans tend to watch their own team. Probably saw him in the playoffs, but these kids are going to be the same way. Saw him in the playoffs, but when you see this offense, and that's what I did. I found guys on Twitter breaking down plays. I found stuff on a uh, YouTube. His, I mean, I knew his plays were good because I watch him play, but I've never – like, I'm watching as a fan enjoying football. But he had this one play where he had Penix going back to uh, Clint talking about the difference between Jalen and Michael's athleticism. He had this one play where they fake the toss right, everybody's blocking right, and then pull the guard, and then he comes back and it's a draw through the middle to the left Phoenix, that's a wide open broken run for Phoenix. So what's it going to be for Jalen? You know what I mean? This guy coming through there, if he wants to run that, um, also think, you know, the reps, the routine, the route running, Kobe Prentice is a prime example, in my opinion, as a guy to, uh, to break out quick, fast, just that kind of guy.
1: Yeah. DeBoer and Grubb give you a lot to look at formationally and then motion wise, um, and then they'll still attack you down the field too. So, wide receivers, Clint, wh- wh- give give Alabama fans at least one reason to feel good about this group moving on post Jermaine Burton, post Isaiah Bond.
3: Yeah, somebody on, on I brought up an offensive lineman yesterday on Twitter uh, that from Washington that was entering the transfer portal, and someone commented and said, "Can he can he catch passes? Can he play wide receiver?" And I was like, "I mean, I understand there's been some turnover there, but I, I don't th- <laughs> It's not like that cupboard's bare by any means. There's multiple, not just good options, but great options available. And then you've got some guys, you know, you could end up having more than that. And I understand Alabama has been used to, you know, I mean, we we saw six, seven, eight different guys who were certainly capable, you know, this year and maybe probably even last year as well. But I mean, a guy like Jalen Hill to me has real breakout potential in this offense. I mean, when you look at Odunce and what he was able to do just as far as, you know, he's a bigger guy than Hill. But his ability to play perimeter receiver, win downfield vertically, not necessarily with speed. He's not going to be blowing past anybody, but his ability to win at the catch point and win 50 50 balls. That reminds me a lot of Jalen Hill. Uh, and so I think he could have a big part, uh, you know, a big role in this offense. I think a guy like Kendrick Law, one thing about DeBoer, when you start looking at the different ways that he was using tight ends, to a certain extent, you can do some of that with a guy like Kendrick Law. Uh, just because he has that blocking ability. He's got the versatility where you can put him in motion and do a lot of different things with him. So I think he could be a really fun, interesting piece within the offense. I I completely agree with Tim when you talk about Kobe Prentice. This is a guy from an efficiency standpoint that the the snaps weren't always there. But his snap or his targets per snap was one of the highest on the team, or at least at, at various points in the season. And he maximized all of his opportunities. And he's a guy that can win vertically. He can take the top off of your defense. But also, he can win on the short to intermediate stuff as well. He can win at all three levels. And so I think this wide receiver room, and and with Emmanuel Henderson, Nick Saban loves the guy. He's talked about him a lot. I think there was a lot of talent in that room, and they were trying to figure out ways to get him you know, more involved prior to his injury, and I think that set him back. But, I mean, this wide receiver room, it's certainly not bare, and I think it's going to be – uh, you know, put on full display in the, in the DeBoer offense.
1: Jamarcus Shepard considered to be one of the very best wide receiver coaches in college football, coming in with Kalen DeBoer as well to help out with the development of those Alabama receivers. Again, if you haven't subscribed to the Bama online YouTube channel, we certainly hope you'll do that right now. Hit that subscribe button, hit that like button. It would help us out tremendously. We would certainly appreciate it. So, Tim, I guess uh, – not a lot to just keep track of the rest of Monday, right? I mean, you, you know, you're looking you know, at your phone Schefter style. Uh, so I'm guessing you I'm got plenty trying to going show on.
2: Off. You know, it's funny. I always watch those shows. And our buddy, Steve Wiltfong, who we love at 24-7 and currently at 24-7, you'd see him doing the same thing. And I love Steve. But before, Steve I always thought, that's kind of pretentious. You know what I mean? You're Like, you look... Well, now I get it. You know what I
1: mean?
2: I've never really did, TV. Now I get it. I'm definitely not trying to look cool. I'm just trying well, to Well, we didn't sure. have this
1: the last time Alabama went through a coaching change, man. No. You know?
2: I think you're just looking now for the stabilization of the staff. I mean, again, I know everybody wants who they want, but this, this is the head football coach. He needs to name his defensive coordinator because you know what? If you get the guy the fans want and he's not comfortable with and he's getting lit up, it's going to fall on Kalen DeBoer. It's not going to fall on the fans. I think the roster, I think the staff was the number one thing you had to get. You had to get the guys you're comfortable with. You had to, you know, I mean, in a co, I don't think Kalen DeBoer would want it any other way. And if I'm Greg Byrne or as an Alabama fan, I'd be highly disappointed to know the staff's it's not the staff he wants. You know, because you ride with the one you trust. But then after that, you worry about the roster, and and of course you know, this April is going to be interesting. I mean, voids that you have now you can fill. there'll be good players in there. We've seen Alabama have some success later on. I think to me, it's just, again, I said it earlier. I think you just appreciate the ones who stayed with you and don't worry so much about the ones who let, you know, who left or had to go. And I don't judge any of them again. I mean, you know, it's like, if you got to go, you got to go. So, um, I think that's where we're at. But, I, you know, I think the process has went good. I mean, this, it still hasn't been five days, right? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah, Four. at 4 p.m. it's going to be five yeah. days. So you got your offensive staff. You love your offensive staff. You got your head coach. You know, Robert Gillespie staying. Dude, Covers recruits all of Florida, by the way. I mean, he's got a vast yeah. majority of Florida. Uh, Freddie Roach covers basically most of the state of Alabama. Um, now there's a void because Kevin Steele <clears throat> and the whole staff chipped in from Montgomery to the coast. Now he's gone, so at Freddie Roach might have <laughs> he might have Huntsville to the with to the, the
1: ocean. with the with the DeBoer influence on offense. Uh, Tim, it almost feels like it has to be more of a regional regional feel on the defensive side with the slots that are left. Just from a recruiting perspective, right? I mean, you still got to have that familiarity, right?
2: Yeah. And I mean, you got to have guys that have walked into these schools for years. I mean, this is one of the reasons a staff and these coaches recruit by the area not by the position. Now there's some recruiting by the position. I know Mario Cristobal was doing it at one point. I think he still does, but you don't really build any continuance when you do that. I mean, you know, old school, you walk in, you had that respect of the coach and all that. Now if it becomes an NIL play, then you probably could do it by position because you're just negotiating. But Um, even in the day of the NIL, I don't think you can build a team around nothing but getting players. We've yet to see a team built on
1: just NIL do very well so far. Clint, as we get out of here, what are you locked into right now? Moving forward here.
3: It's time to do a roster reset. That's for sure. And we're going to be talking about coaches as well. Uh, so we're going to be covering all the different, the latest moves that have been happening with the transfer portal, where the roster stands, scholarship numbers, and then I'm going to be throwing in, you know, if you got the position coach already locked in, I'm going to be throwing that uh, out there and then saying how some of these guys fit. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll be doing a lot more of this video type content because it's right. just news is constantly rolling in. So it's it's not slowing down anytime soon. You got the basketball team doing some really good things right now, starting to play better basketball. And so that's been fun to watch. So still a ton going on. But this uh, this coaching staff stuff is is obviously priority number one for a lot of people.
1: No doubt about it, Tim. Uh, anything else before we get out of here? No, I think we will see. I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens this week as
2: far as coaches on the road. I mean, you know, if they can get out and see people, we know you got visits re- this
1: weekend, right? Well, I mean, yeah, supposed I,
2: to. I, yeah, they're going to have visitors. We don't know who. I think you're, you're, you're. I can't even imagine what Courtney Morgan's going through. I can't imagine what Kalen DeBoer is going through. I can't imagine what their kids are going through. Like, I mean, these coaches probably have kids who are in school in Washington, right? And the school break is officially over. So do they stay there? Do they come here? You know, that whole thing, two houses, where are they even living here? You know, how much of a suitcase did Kalen DeBoer have to pack? You know what I mean? Did he just grab a pack, backpack, throw in two cargo shorts and a hoodie like I would. You know what I mean? So there's so much on the table for these guys. Uh, family stuff, per, obviously personal stuff, uh, coaching, staff, you know, um, recruiting, your current players on roster. I would love if one day they would talk about it. And I'm hoping at the press conference somebody will say, tell us about your first 48 hours. Yeah. Because, you know, we have fans on the board and we love you guys. And who think what is taking so long? And literally it it, it it wasn't even 48 hours before the freaking out was uh you know, what's taking so long. But again, we're at 4 p.m. it'll be five days. And I think any realistic Bama fan will say, crap, we're we're ahead of the curve here. You know, yep. we're we're ahead where we thought Nick Saban retired, and we still have a team somehow. And, and by
1: coach. and by 4 p.m. on this fifth day, I'm sure we're gonna have had plenty. Plenty of updates from this point forward, no doubt about that. Uh of course, we do have basketball coverage as well. Nice win on the road for NATO nice. team over the weekend, taking care of those Mississippi State Bulldogs one more time in Starkville. So a lot of that for you as well. But T Rob watch, recruiting, staff, all those things right there for you with us at BamaOnline.com. You need to hang out with us on the round table, our premium message board there. At BOL, everything we learn as we learn it is going to drop right there on the round table. Hey, guys, I appreciate you both taking the time to anytime.
2: Okay. We're having fun with it.
1: Be sure to subscribe and like our YouTube page right here as well. BamaOnline.com on YouTube. Subscribe and like. We would greatly appreciate that. For Clint Lamb and Tim Watts, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us. And until next time. So long, everybody.
0: 18 plus.